0: the subject, it makes you feel good. And I hope that if it makes you feel guilty before our day is complete, the reverse will have taken place. Because when we think about what God has done for us and what we have the opportunity to do for God and for other people, it ought to be something that excites us. We have a friend, his name is Jonathan. And when I see Jonathan and I ask him, or anyone asks him, the habitual question, how are you doing? Jonathan's answer is always the same. I'm blessed by the best. Let me tell you a really quick story about Jonathan and why that means so much when he says that. Almost two years ago now, I met Jonathan... At a potluck meal, I'd been preaching somewhere else. I was late getting there. He was sitting by himself at a table. I did not know him. Our church is not that large, so I would know whoever is visiting. So I sat down, introduced myself. Hey, who are you? Tell me your story. Jonathan had just recently gotten out of jail. He'd been there three years. Jonathan said said that the first two years that he was there, He said, I told everybody I could. I influenced everybody I could that Jesus was not the Son of God. The Bible was not the Word of God. There is really no God or you can't know there's a God and there's just not any reason for you to put your faith and confidence in Him. He said, the last year I was there, I spent every opportunity with every person that I came in contact with telling them that Jesus is the Son of God. God is our Creator, Savior, and Redeemer. The Bible is the Word of God, and your life is far better living for God. How did that transformation take place in Jonathan's life? Jonathan's a, a student, he's a reader, he's a studier, and he'd read a lot of books, and he'd read a lot of spiritual books, and religious books, and he'd read about the church, and he'd seen a lot of conflict. He'd seen what the Bible said, and then he'd seen what people did, various religious affiliations and finally a cart came by with some books that had a book called Muscle and Shovel on it. You're probably familiar with that book. He read that book and he said, wow, this is what I've been looking for. And about the same time, he was invited to be a part of World Bible Study and he began to study with at least a couple different people with a couple of different congregations. He became a Christian while he was still in jail and once he got out, he's done everything he possibly can to Share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. There's not a week goes by that I know of that he didn't have personal Bible studies. He teaches people. He teaches in the jail. There's not usually a week goes by that he does not baptize someone to Christ for the remission of their sins. He's called me at 7.30 at night. He's called me at 6.30 in the morning. Uh, And what a blessing that is. Blessed by the best. Why does stewardship and the opportunity to be a good steward, why why is that important to me, why does that excite me, and why should that excite you? First of all, I want to suggest this morning that we're blessed by the best because of the source of our blessings. The very first verse in the Bible, Genesis 1-1 says that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Why did he do that? He didn't do that because he had need of anything. God has been, is, and always will be self-sufficient. But God created a world ultimately for me and for you. And on that last day before he rested, he created humanity. Not for him, he had everything he already needed or wanted. But he created humanity so that we might be the benefactor of his blessings. And so that we can have life now. So that we can have life beyond. As was read in our scripture reading this morning from Acts chapter 17. 24 through 28. Paul is talking to some people that don't quite have it figured out yet. And and idolatry and those types of things were raging. And he finally just told them. He said, look. It's this God you're groping about in darkness for spiritually. It's Him that you live and move and have your very being. I am nothing. I have nothing. I will never be anything without God, period. Everything that I have, everything that I have that is good comes from God. That's what James points out in James chapter 1 and verse 17. Every good and every perfect gift comes down from above. Now, sometimes we get to be the intermediates in that. Sometimes we get to give God's gifts to other people. But when you trace it back to the source, your health, your job, your car, your family, your finances, everything that's good comes from God. There is no exception. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 18, the people of long ago were reminded of something that we today would do well to be reminded of as well. Remember the Lord your God. It is He who gives you power to get wealth. The concept of being independent financially, being independent once we grow up and get out of a home, Being independent in in other different ways is one that we look at as something appealing. But there's a way, there's a point in which there is nothing I have that is of an independent nature. Well, I worked last week and I got paid and I got paid for what I did. Me, what I did. Deuteronomy 8 says, but it was God that gave me the power. It was God that gave me the help. It was God that gave me the opportunity to get those things. I'm not a great English person from the standpoint of knowing that section really, really well. But in English you have nouns and you have pronouns. And and sometimes, matter of fact, quite a bit if we're not cautious... And maybe it's because of accommodation, but but we keep using words like I, mine, ours. And there's nothing definitively wrong about using that because that's how we communicate. As long as we understand, as long as we understand... It's really not mine. I'm the steward over it. My body's not mine. I'm the steward over it. My job's not mine. I'm a steward that God's given me opportunity. The money in my bank account is not mine. It belongs to God, and I'm the steward, and it truly is His. Job chapter 5 and verse 10. It's God that gives rain upon the earth and sends waters upon the fields. Everything of a natural nature. The blessings we get in that sense come from God. In Psalm chapter 127 and verse 2. It's vain to rise up early and to sit up late to eat the bread of sorrows for so he giveth his beloved sleep. If you ever have trouble sleeping you realize what a blessing that is. And the very sleep and the rest that we give that re-energizes and recharges our body it comes from God. Well, I want to be reminded. I want to remind myself. And I want to gently help to bring to the attention of other people, both within and without the kingdom of God, that all that we have, our source of blessings, comes from God. This question may sting a little bit, so I'll go ahead and warn you. You know, sometimes when you go to the doctor or dentist and, and they give you a shot, they're going to say, small stick or small sting. Their idea of small and mine sometimes varies. But this this may sting a little. Do I thank God more on a daily basis? Or do I complain more on a daily basis? Including God and others. Am I more thankful or do I complain more? Do I focus on my blessings or do I focus on the burdens That I may have, that incidentally God gives us the strength and the wisdom and the opportunity and the power to overcome. The source of our blessing is important. Secondly, I want us to appreciate that we're blessed by the best because of the security of our blessings. It's one of the most familiar passages in all of Scripture. People that aren't even very spiritual in nature are familiar with these words. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Think about the power of that simple, short sentence. Because God is my shepherd. He is my tender. He is my caretaker. I don't have to want or lack for anything. And then you remember the narrative of how he goes through specific examples. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because He's with me. His rod, His staff comfort me. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. And then the beautiful ending words, Surely, surely, confidence, goodness and mercy will follow me. All the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It is certainly testing of the capacity of the human mind to think about what it means to be the sheep where God is the shepherd. Where the Lord is my shepherd. He knows everything going on in my life, in your life. He knows every burden. He knows every blessing. He knows every joy. He knows every pain. He knows every sorrow. He knows every happiness. And the security that's found therein is also revealed in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Where the Lord in that great discourse said, seek first. Actually that verse begins, but... Because he's been talking about the things of the world, about food and clothing and and shelter and things of that nature. And he's made a comparison about the birds and and the lilies of the field. And he says, why are you so stressed out about those things? Stress is a burden of the devil. Security is a blessing of the Lord. Why are you so stressed out about those things? But, but what, Jesus? but seek first he didn't say somewhere in your schedule fit God a little bit in he didn't say up at least in the top ten he didn't even say the top three he said seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and you will have these things my problem and maybe your problem sometimes is we walk by fear and not by faith. And we don't trust God enough to put His things first, realizing we'll get the other. We feel like we need to help God out, and we're going to get all the other, and then we're going to come over here and seek His kingdom. And what we find out is we run out of time trying to do this, and we don't have time to seek the kingdom. But the security of blessings is if we will seek the kingdom first... Those other things that we need. He didn't say every want. He didn't say we'd live in the biggest house. He didn't say we'd drive the most expensive car. He didn't say our bank account would be greater than 95% of the people. He said the things that we ultimately need, he would bless us with. John 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world. Love's is a word that gets thrown around a lot. We love hot dogs and ball games and shopping and fishing and golfing and all this kind of stuff. But, but here's a different love. For God so loved the world that He what? That He gave what was left over in heaven that He didn't really need. No, that wasn't it. He so loved that He gave His only begotten Son. Why'd you do that, God? Did you not know that the majority of the people were going to reject you? Did you not know that the the majority of the people were going to either literally or otherwise spit in your son's face? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that those that believe in Him do not have to spend eternity in hell, but have everlasting life. Security of blessings. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5, God gives grace to the humble, appreciated our prayers this morning. Prayers regarding the Lord's Supper and our prayers as we prayed together, talking about the mercy and the grace and the goodness of God. That's a God that loves us and secures us. John chapter 14, when Jesus was about to die and go back to heaven, there were 12 men that struggled sometimes. One of the things I love about the Bible is it's transparent in a lot of different ways. And not only does it tell you about the good things that people did, it tells you about the struggles they had. And if you can imagine being able to walk with Jesus for three years or three and a half years and think about where you think you would be spiritually, I love the apostles. I love the fact that it opens us up to see them as they were. They were not supermen. They were not invincible. They were not at some level that we cannot hope to attain, but they had a lot of the same characteristics that we do. They wanted to follow Jesus, but they struggled sometimes doing it. And so in John 14, he's trying to get them ready. He's trying to get them ready for the cross. He's trying to get them ready for the time he's going to go back to the Father. He's trying to inform them about the Holy Spirit. And he says, peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace. Now, he explains that in the next few words when he says, it's not like the world gives I give you my peace. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let them be afraid. We think about the security believers, the peace. The peace that Paul talks about that passes all understanding. In 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13, when we see the burdens of life, when we see things that seem insurmountable, when we don't see the escape route, we're reminded. No temptation's overtaken you, but such as is common to humanity. We want to say sometimes, nobody's ever been through what I'm going through. Nobody's ever had to deal with this. And Paul gently but boldly says, that's not true. That's not true. No temptation's taken you, but such as is common to man. And with every temptation, he has made a way of escape. And he says, God will not let you be tempted above what you can stand. You may have thought at times, you know, I'm right at the breaking point. I may be past the breaking point. You may be near it, but you never go over it because God will not allow it. That's a part of the security of the blessings. And thirdly, when I think about being blessed by the best, I think about the satisfaction. It comes from our blessings. The devil would want people to believe this. You want to live that Christian life, it's okay. But just know you are going to be miserable. You're going to do without. It's going to be bad. It's going to be horrible. And the only real hope you've got is there really is a heaven and it'll be altogether different. That's not true. That's not true because God says it's not true. And because we see that it's not true. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17. God richly gives us all things to enjoy. It's hard to teach sharing to little children sometimes, isn't it? And it's probably hard because they've watched us adults. It's probably the reason it's hard to teach them sharing. But here's a little child and they've got a bowl of M&Ms and another little child wants to come and and can I have some M&Ms? And you've probably seen the gamut of responses. Maybe there's one broken M&M in that bowl. And that child takes that broken one and it hands one little M&M to the other child. Why do we do Don't do that. Give them... No, no. Mine. Mine. God gives us not that one broken M&M. God gives us richly all things to enjoy. Not to just live with dread and mundane and and problematic life through this life so that it'll be better down the road, so that it'll be better in heaven. But he wants us to enjoy life now. James chapter 1 and verse 5. We think about satisfaction from our blessings. If any among you lack wisdom, That'd be a good verse if it said, if the elders need some wisdom, if the preacher needs wisdom, if certain people. He didn't say just an elite group. He said, if any among you lack wisdom, tough luck. Not enough to go around. I'll give you a smidgen. That's not what he says. He says, if any among you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and does not hold back. When I trace my problems, often I can trace back to two things. I did not ask for wisdom or I did not accept what was given. He says if you need it, ask for it. He will give it to you. In Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 26, For God gives to a man that is good in his sight wisdom and knowledge and joy. Think about the power of that combination. Knowledge. Ignorance gets us in a lot of trouble, doesn't it? But he gives knowledge. Wisdom. Okay, sometimes I've got the knowledge, but I don't really know how to use it and apply it. He gives me wisdom and he gives me joy. There's no one that wants you and me to be happier more than God does. There's no one that gets greater joy out of our happiness than God does. In Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 29, God knew. God knew that when man was given freedom of choice, that had a lot of implications. Bad choices have consequences, difficulties, problems. Job, when he was in his struggle, said man that's born of woman is a few days and full of troubles. He didn't say once every leap year you might have a problem or two. He said life is filled with troubles. God, Isaiah 40, 29, gives power to the faint and to them that have no might he increases strength. I don't Recall who I heard it say first. But I love this phrase. When life is at its worst, God is at his best. And that's true. That's true for a lot of reasons. One of those is when life's at its best, I have this bad tendency to forget. To forget that it's God that brought all the best about. But when life gets at its worst, I think more about God. Or we tend to do that. God gives power to the faint. To those that have no might, He increases strength. The letter of the Corinthians, the first one, chapter 3 and verse 6, Paul planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. There are a lot of physical blessings that we have in life that are wonderful and I'm glad God gives them to us. The greatest blessings that we have are spiritual blessings and the increase to the kingdom. The increase to our lives. Other new brothers and sisters to serve with us, to help us in our walk with God. The satisfaction that comes from the blessings of God. Maybe you've been to youth camp. Maybe you've been on mission trips. Maybe you've been in other places. And and there are a lot of good things that go on in all of those places. But I suppose the culmination Of the best of the best would be whether it's in a swimming pool or it's in a river or or, or a creek or or wherever it's at. Sometimes a a horse watering trough. When a person has made the commitment, they've made the commitment to leave sin and turn to God and, and they're immersed. And you can't literally see but you can spiritually see the transformation from sinful to forgiven. From a child of the devil to the child of the king. How that God transforms us out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of the Son of His love. And, and what blessing, what satisfaction, what joy comes from those circumstances. Finally, this morning, I want us to notice as we're blessed by the best, the significance of our blessing. We noted James 1 and 5. If anyone asks for wisdom God gives liberally In John chapter 6 Verses 32 and 33 Jesus says I say unto you Moses gave you Not that bread from heaven But my Father gives you The true bread From heaven For the bread of God Is come down from heaven And gives life to the world Think about your favorite bread. Maybe it's mama's cornbread. Maybe it sows big fat yeast rolls. Maybe it's whatever your favorite bread is. Maybe it's dripping in butter. Maybe you're not eating bread right now and you're saying I wish you'd quit talking about bread. <laughs> but you think about your favorite and then you think about the bread of life. Wow. That that sustains us spiritually and emotionally and physically and mentally. And in every single way. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. Paul offers a blessing. He said, blessed be the God. And he describes Him as the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who hath blessed us with? He doesn't say a new house. He doesn't say a new car. He doesn't say 15% growth on our stock portfolio. He doesn't say a promotion at work. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings that are in Christ Jesus. Every spiritual blessing, children of God have access to. Every spiritual blessing is found in one place and in one place only in Christ Jesus. Sometimes people say, Why Why is it so? What's a big deal about being in Christ? The big deal about being in Christ is because that's where every single spiritual blessing is, and there is not a blessing that is spiritual in its nature outside Christ. That's one reason that we talk and we plead. With people about understanding how to get into Christ, that we're baptized into Christ, and if we don't properly follow God's will in getting into Christ, we might be doing a lot of good religious things, but we're outside the sphere of the spiritual blessings. He's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. First Corinthians chapter fifteen and verse fifty seven. He's been talking about death and, and death challenges us and, and it motivates us and it moves us and it grieves us and there's so many things that death does. But he says, as he gets to the end, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when I think about the significance of our blessings, in Christ is the only place, the only place that we win the ultimate victory. I don't know if you watched yesterday afternoon or maybe saw it. Justify won the triple crown. Three horse races and he made a lot of money for his owners and and he'll make a lot of money going down the road and and, and things of that nature and, and one of few horses that ever did those things. But you know a thousand years from now that won't matter. It won't make any difference who won that horse race. Back in January in college football, a team I like, some of you may or some don't, they won a victory and it was a dramatic victory and, and, and the national championship and, and wow, that, that, that was awesome and it was great. But you know a thousand years from now that victory won't make a better difference. And there'll will be a single player coach on that team that can stand before God on the day of judgment and say, you know when we won that victory, will that get us into heaven? Can we show you our ring and will that get us into heaven? There are a lot of different victories in life. For those that have played sports, some games you won, some games you lost, some were bigger than others, but there's no victory. There's no victory that even is in the same galaxy of the victory that we get through Jesus Christ our Lord. The satisfaction that we get through the significance of our blessings. Sometimes we're at camp. Maybe you sing it here in your worship, your devotions. It's a simple song, but it's so powerful. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. And a part of our time this morning, part of our time today, is intentionally spent reflecting on that goodness. That then motivates me to say, now, what am I doing for Him? How is the goodness of God that I surely receive reflected in my life? My suggestion would be this, when I understand that I am blessed by the best. I'll give my life, I'll give my time, my money, my energy, my service, and my heart to God and to my fellow man. Yes, we're blessed by the best. And I hope that impacts us. And I hope it makes a difference in every decision, in every day, in every part of our life. We close our lesson this morning and extend the invitation of Jesus Christ. Have you been blessed by the best? I don't mean in the physical sense. I know that you've got health and life and and he sends rain and and all kinds of other good things. I, I don't mean that, but I mean have you been ultimately blessed by the best? with the forgiveness of your sin. If you've not, if you've not become His child, He sent His Son so that you could be His child. And this morning, if you're willing to turn from your sins and confess that He is the Son of God and to be immersed in water, to be baptized for the forgiveness of His sins, reenacting His death, His burial, His resurrection, He'll wash away every sin that you've ever committed. It'll be as if with God it never happened, never to hold against you anymore. He'll add you to his kingdom. He'll put you in his son Jesus' church. He'll give you the strength and the information, the knowledge to be able to walk with him day by day. If you've not done that, I encourage you to do it. Or if you're a child of God and you've done that, but you've gotten away from that. Maybe you've forgotten the source of your blessings. Maybe you've let Satan get in your life and pull and draw you away from from the good life. And you need prayers. Maybe you need to talk about God. To God with some things that are private in nature that you just want to restore and revive. maybe you need the prayers of this good church people that love you and care about you that will pray with you and will pray for you that God will, will cleanse that part of your life and, and make you fresh and clean and new again you can again be blessed by the best in every possible way walk daily with him if we can help you in any way come right now when we, as we stand and sing together